Welcome to Couch Crusaders! It's me, your favorite Couch Crusader, Tyler, and I'm joined, as always, by my... Uh, I'm thinking of a superlative for you this week, Connie. By my... Second favorite Couch Crusaders. No, by my host. consistent co-host, Connie Yan. Nice. How you doing this week, Connie? I'm doing well. That's what they call me. Consistent Connie consistent connie that's that's been your long-standing nickname on this podcast uh i'm glad that we could finally you know let our listeners in, in on uh, uh what we've called you for so long so connie i think it's been kind of another slow week for movie news i don't think there's been a whole lot going on and you and i are kind of struggling to find some common ground to talk about here today but I think one of the big news uh, news stories was about the movie that I actually saw in theaters this week. What did you see in theaters this week? Well, I saw I saw Mother, uh, and we'll get to that later on in the show. No, it's Mother! Or no, it's lowercase. It, it is lowercase, so it's more like Mother. But uh, <laughs> the movie definitely does not come across like Mother. Uh, but anyway, so Mother got a, a cinema score of F this week. And Connie, how about you break down uh, what this cinema score process is for our listeners? I actually don't know what a you process don't know. is. Okay, yeah. uh, so actually this is a good learning experience then. So from my understanding, cinema score pulls uh, people coming out of the movie after like opening night. So it's just from the, the opening night showings. They do a bunch of like random polling all over and rate the movie based on the feedback they get from people coming out of the movie. And to this date, I think 11 films have gotten an F from CinemaScore, Mother being one of the more surprising ones. But uh, a lot of the times these movies that are controversial wind up with a CinemaScore of F, even if they're not like terrible quality films. So this is one that uh, surprised a lot of people because Mother was very hyped up. It's coming, uh, you know, hot on the heels of it during horror film season and was not well received by audiences and uh we'll get into a a little bit about why that's the case later because i I kind of understand now that i've watched the movie but uh but i don't know it's just kind of one of those things where i feel like reviews can sometimes get in the way of what a uh what a movie is trying to actually accomplish and maybe it's because this movie was poorly marketed uh or maybe it's just because people didn't know what to expect from an, from an Aronofsky film. But I don't know. I don't think it deserved the F. But it was big news that I got it. I think, so I heard that people are likening the, uh, what had happened to Mother with an earlier film this year, It Comes at Night. Um, because It Comes at Night is a, as I haven't seen it yet, so it's, as I understand it, it's a psychological thriller they marketed and targeted the horror fan base. Um, I mean, the trailer was really fucking creepy, so if I was a horror fan, I'd be totally 100% on board, but apparently a lot of people left the theater very disappointed because it wasn't, you know, there weren't, like, it wasn't, like, a classic horror film with, like, the jump scares and the gore. It was more of, like, fucking with your mind kind of film. Um, would you say that I so no spoilers a mother obviously but would you say that if you were a horror fi- uh, fan and you went to go see Mother that you would be extremely displeased to almost to the point of like writing it off with an F? 
Yeah, uh, if I went to Mother expecting to see a horror movie, I would have walked out of the theater probably half an hour in. Damn. Uh, just because, okay. just well, just because it doesn't have any of the horror aspect in it. Um, and again, I'll get into I'll get into all this later. It is a very disturbing film, and it's very unsettling, but it, it's not horror by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I think that that's part of it. Part of it is this poor marketing that we see going on. And we kind of touched on it last week when we talked about it in Little Evil, where horror, maybe more than any other genre, has just a built-in fan base who will go just exclusively to see horror films almost. And uh, on one hand, I can't blame marketing teams for wanting to capitalize on that and highlight horror aspects of their movie to get that audience in there. But they also can't be surprised when it's poorly received by audiences for not being horror or being, you know, falsely labeled as horror. So, uh, I don't know. Marketing just needs to do a better job about focusing on their individual movies. You know, don't don't paint movies with a genre brush. Just tell us what your movie's about. I also don't think, honestly, I, like, I just found out what CinemaScore was when it was first reported that it got an F. Like, I know people were, right. like, freaking out about it because, like, oh, my gosh, it's the Jennifer Lawrence, Darren Aronofsky movie. Why is it getting an F? Oh, my goodness. This is supposed to, like, hurt their box office. And, like, yeah, I did get crushed by it, but I, I don't think, I think all the people that wanted to see Mother did so or will be doing so regardless of the fact that I got an F because I don't watch movies according to cinema score. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I've never used CinemaScore as a reference, but but when a headline comes out that a you know a big movie like this got an F, it will probably deter some people from seeing it. Not because CinemaScore rated that, but just because it became a news headline afterwards. So, uh, so it's kind of unfortunate for the movie. And uh, again, I don't really you... don't want to spoil anything about this right. movie. But well, why don't you try to tell us? why you think i mean like i want to hear what you think of it obviously and then like maybe mm-hmm. tell us why people are like flipping the fuck out about without spoiling it why are they flipping <laughs> out about like the many different interpretations or you know something on twitter today i saw uh someone was like if you have to google what the meaning of mother is then you failed as a director or whatever which is kind of stupid to me because movies are made to be up to multiple different interpretations i don't know why the fuck that was a headline go go uh yeah yeah so so uh, again i want to talk about mother on the back end of our show because uh i am just by talking about it is uh i'm going to you know spoil some of it i'm not going to give away any details that'll ruin the movie but uh but i want to save it for the end because it is really interesting to talk about but this is a movie that feels like a you know, aside from the big name actors in it, uh, we've got Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence headlining it. Uh, Ed Harris winds up in the trailers, and I don't want to spoil some of the other cameos that come up in here, but there's a lot of big name actors in here. Other than those, this feels like a very, very, very artistic, you know, small student film sort of, sort of thing. Like, it feels like something that would come out of a, uh, a hypothetical, or not, sorry, not a hypothetical, a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't know. It, it, it feels like it's, it's, shouldn't be made by a big budget studio, and not a lot of people are used to seeing 
films like this in a theater that's not like a specific art house theater and I think that's where the disappointment comes from for a lot of people. It does, it's not really a narrative story by any means. It's all symbolism and it's a lot of disjointed events that are supposed to mean something as a whole. Uh, it Lord. almost feels it almost feels Terrence Malick like at sometimes just with like Oh my uh, god. No wonder then. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It, well, that it's, and a it's lot. not as it's well, and it's not as boring as a Terrence Malick, and it is still very fast-paced. Uh, I don't know. It's very hard to describe. Mother is wholly unique. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Stick around for the back half of this podcast if you want to hear more about it. Uh, I'll, I'll get into it at that point. Before we do that, Connie, why don't you tell us about what you watched this week? Let's, uh, let's get this out of the way. Uh, so I had never seen Scarface before, and you made me watch Scarface, <laughs> which is two hours and I 45 did. minutes long or something. Um, Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> I just really, okay, so, so I have a lot of questions. <laughs> Um, I, I want to preface this by saying that, okay, I've seen chunks of the Godfather series. I haven't seen the whole series all the way through. Um, I don't know which one really came first. I think Scarface came after. But, uh, uh, I've seen Goodfellas. Um, and, like, I, I want to preface this by saying, like, okay, as I'm talking about Scarface, I'm probably going to come off as someone that hasn't watched a lot of gangster movies, but I do want to say that... I have seen a lot of gangster films, but it's probably not, like, the ultimate classic ones, because I didn't grow up in an environment where, like, you know, someone was recommending these films to me. Uh, so, Scarface, I had not seen Scarface until just now, at the age of 23. I apologize. So, okay. Uh, let's start with you. a... Thank you. Thank you. That's why I just literally just wanted you to forgive me on behalf of the entire population of the world. Um, so, Scarface is about Tony Montana who um, is Cuban and comes to the U.S., um, specifically Florida, Miami, Florida, to uh, make it big, to uh, be rich and, you know, have lots of pretty women by his side and, like, make it as a gangster. Um, so he and his best friend Manolo basically uh, go through um, these trials and tribulations of getting started as, you know, like, henchmen, and then ultimately growing to become, you know, uh, Tony Montana becomes the ultimate crime boss, and the two-hour, two 45-minute movie details literally the start of him getting off the boat to the ultimate end, uh, where he, I'm not gonna spoil, I mean, everyone's seen Scarface, I can You can spoil, spoil it, this is an old movie, yeah. He dies! Okay, great. So, um, okay, so... <laughs> Um, I think that, I mean, this is obviously a classic film. Um, everyone talks about Scarface. Scarface is referenced a ton of times in pop culture today. Um, I think a lot, like half the guys that I knew growing up and in college had posters of Scarface somewhere in their, in their college dorms, in their bedrooms. I don't know. I feel like it's a very popular college poster. Anyway. Sure. Sure. So everyone, everyone has seen Scarface. Uh, I, I think... That, uh, it was, for me, <laughs> it was painfully, I was painfully aware of the fact that Oliver Stone had written the film, and I probably shouldn't have looked that up. Um, he, Oliver Stone has, uh, what are some of his films? He, 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 um, 
He's a filmmaker I that likes... I off the top of my head, yeah. He likes writing these realistic, uh, but, but fictional accounts of popular events in history. So he's written, like, uh, like a kind well, of terrible take on Well, he just did that Snowden movie w. recently. Snowden, he did W, uh, he did mm-hmm. that weird Blake Lively, Aaron Johnson, or, like, Aaron Johnson and Taylor Kitsch, like, share a sugar mama or whatever. And he, he did that film. Anyway. Yeah. So, Oliver Stone used to be a huge uh, cocaine addict back in his time. So, as he was recovering from that and going through, like, huge withdrawal, uh, he wrote Scarface, which, because, like, Tony Montana is a cocaine crime boss. Um, I was painfully aware of the fact that, like, Oliver Stone does, does not have a very good record, much less at all a record of writing uh, sympathetic female parts. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm not really one to harp on the fact, like, I know that Hollywood sucks at writing good roles for women, but I think this was a movie that made it, like, painfully apparent for me that these were, these women were irredeemable by every account, um, and it was just very hard to sympathize with any character in this film, with the exception of Tony himself, um, mm-hmm. and so I hated, 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 hated uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's role. I hated his baby sister's role. Uh, these are all just like shrewd, lazy, but sexy women wearing billowing kimonos or whatever. Um, I think that, <laughs> um, I mean, this is a truly a dude's film because it's all about like the underdog rising to the top. But as someone that is, I mean, okay. Let's put it this way. I hate when I'm right about a film's next scene or upcoming scene. Um, and I was right, right every single time throughout this film. Like, okay, this is what's going to happen next. Tony's going to get flip out of Manolo because Manolo's probably run off with his sister because it's been hinted at for 20 minutes of this film. Oh my gosh, Manolo and his sister got married. Ah, and then Tony kills him. What? Where did that come from? Oh my gosh. Um... Michelle Pfeiffer, his wife, who wasn't really into him the whole time, is going to leave him. Never saw that coming. It was so... I was not having a good time in this film because nothing threw right. me off. Nothing surprised me. Um, I just don't like being right when I'm watching a crime supposed thriller about this. And also, may I say, I understand that the back half of the film is literally Tony Montana getting high on his own st- supply of cocaine and, like, literally, like... <laughs> like face planting into a mountain of cocaine and breathing like that's how much cocaine he's ingesting and so the the back half of the film is him shouting and screaming the entire time in his cuban accent um at everyone and everything and saying fuck like 220 times um and i get that because he's supposed to be like hyped up on cocaine the whole time and he just literally is like ate cocaine uh so he's supposed to act crazy and obnoxious and reckless uh, but I just thought it was really grating and annoying, um, especially the end scene. I know that the point is that he's like, there's so much cocaine rushing through his veins that even if you were to shoot this man, what, maybe like 50 times in that last final like death scene when he's screaming <laughs> like, you want a piece of this? Like, come and get me. Ah, like, dude, you're supposed to fall over at some point. But I get it. Brian De Palma, we got to be dramatic with the, the camera, swooping camera angles. Woo! And, uh... Yeah, okay, so you could tell that I had a uh, hard time with this film. So, 
so here's the thing, Connie, and this is something that uh, I probably should have told you beforehand. I don't think Scarface is a great movie. Um, Scarface is obviously, like you said, a classic. It's something that's ingrained itself in pop culture. But the first time I watched it, I had a very, very similar experience to you where I watched it and I went, really? This is Scarface? I was like, how, how did this movie wind up so embedded in pop culture? And there's a lot of things about it that have some redeeming value you know uh the crime story i guess inherently is interesting and the character like you said of tony montana is the only character in this that is memorable (laughs) but i guess just for like the sheer ridiculousness factor of this movie a lot of bros like latched on to it and they were like hey you know he worked his way to the top mountains of cocaine like i i don't know i don't get the appeal of this movie either and i probably should have told you that before you went on your whole rant there but um i don't know there there's there's something about this movie that just makes me wonder if filmmaking was perceived differently at the time or something i don't know this movie just it it strikes a weird tone with me uh i've never been able to really really get into it uh, Al Pacino gives, I think, a pretty good performance for the most part, but uh, but it's over the top sometimes and kind of dull the rest of the time, like you said, because it's kind of predictable for the most part. So uh, this is one that I felt like you should see because right, you know, I had to see it. Scarface, at some point. right? I, you gotta get it out of the way. But well, but this is one that, and maybe more than any other movie, I don't get why it keeps being referenced and why people keep using it as like a, a, a pop culture staple when there are so many other better examples of crime films out there. Uh, this one, this one's just, it's a weird movie to me. I don't know. Scarface is a strange one. I, I mean, I just like always thought of the name Brian De Palma. Like I knew to associate Brian De Palma's name with Scarface, but mm-hmm. like the directing in this, I was like really fed up with, how obvious everything was set up to be and how the audience like was always two steps ahead of everything when the whole point of a crime thriller is to be two steps ahead of the audience um sure i don't know maybe i mean i'm sure like the film fanatics and critics and film students are gonna come out in full force after someone that's like yeah well and and this is something you know if if you go online you can find I'm sure dozens and dozens of reviews that talk about how Tony Montana represents some aspect of humanity and like um, the American maybe dream. he's the embodiment of right the embodiment of the American dream or maybe greed or hubris or something like that. But the fact of the matter is, in my eyes, it doesn't play well in this film. And if you want to dig into it, just like you can with most movies, you could make some you know claims about how something represents something but for whatever reason when i watched scarface i cannot believe that that was the intention of the filmmakers when they made it it just comes across feeling like a movie where they were like oh and then there's this you know cuban guy and he comes to america and he gets involved in the drug trade and man at the end he like gets so high and like there's a big shootout at his at his mansion and it's kind of like uh okay i guess you know um I don't know. Well, like, yeah, this is a, have you this, seen Goodfellas? This is kind of a strange one. Have you seen Goodfellas? Yes, Goodfellas is a yeah. Okay, so so in Goodfellas, I mean, all these crime 
movies are from the 80s or 90s are supposed to be about like the rise and fall of a crime boss, right? So, so in Goodfellas, like I forgot the main character's name, but he, you know he it's like the way that he crawls his way to the top is very, it's full of wit and like it you know it's developed um, primarily through his relationship with his partners, his friends, his you know the betrayal of his friends, so on and so forth. Um, and so it's, like, through that that he, like, jumps through hoops to get to the top, right? Whereas in Scarface, right. all it took for Tony Montana to get to the top was to literally just kill everyone that was in his way. So none of it was exciting yeah. because all he had to do was kill without repercussion until the very end when he finally got, you know, killed for, for backstabbing. Not really backstabbing. Well, even, like, the, the reason why he got killed, I couldn't buy it. You know? Right, right. It was so dumb. Well, and, and I was going to say, did you say you haven't watched uh, th- both Godfathers? Or I've one seen, and two, like, at least? I've seen Chunks. Okay. Does that makes sense? Um, I know that he's in it, Al Pacino. Yeah. Right, right. And he's he's great in that, too. But, uh, but that, for me, is, like, the example of the ultimate... Obviously, it's you know it's one of, regarded as one of the best movies ever, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two. But but that it's very similar to, to like what you're saying about Goodfellas, where uh, even though it, there's no real twists in it or anything, just the events that happen uh, keep the audience guessing about what's going to happen next. You know, there's no clear path forward, and there's no just shoot your way to the top sort of nonsense. Uh, it, it feels very natural and organic the way the story progresses. And Scarface just feels like lazy writing a lot of the time, uh, and it does have some. It has some good imagery, you know, uh, uh, Tony falling into the fountain and like uh, the mountains of cocaine. Sure, that's like that's interesting, and I can see why some people latched onto those parts of it. But it just it feels like a dated movie to me at this point. It, it, I don't think it's aged very well when we've had so many other great examples of. Uh, movies not just in this genre but in this genre as well right um i don't know shout out to all the guys that said that this was a fantastic film one of their favorite films i just feel sorry for you and also know to stay away from you because clearly you like really empty films that are (laughs) extremely predictable and boring by by consequence I would I would be shocked if everybody who says this is their favorite film or everybody who owns a Scarface poster has actually seen this movie. Uh, I'm sure some of them have, but if everyone, it's one of those things that I think people are like, I know this is a movie about a guy with like a bunch of cocaine. What a cool movie to have or whatever. You know, like I would be really surprised if I mean, they sat down and watched it and gone, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It is a really long movie. Yeah, so they might and have people just don't seen... usually have that much patience, so... Right. I mean, I didn't have any patience, but what kept me going was uh, seeing your face at the end uh, and telling <laughs> you to your face that I hated it, but... Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay uh, with me. I, yeah, I kind of expected that for this one, so... I mean, I guess I would recommend it to people. I would recommend, like, if you haven't seen Scarface, which is a classic, go see it, make up your mind about it, but... Uh, you're not gonna. I don't think you'll. Don't like be it. surprised if it's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Go see The Godfather. <laughs> That's what I should do. Yeah, please, please. If you haven't watched Godfather, go. And this includes you, Connie. Go watch parts one and parts two. Carve out an, a nice Saturday where you don't have anything to do. 
and watch those because they're just they're so good such phenomenal filmmaking okay are you ready to talk about mother okay are you ready to talk about mother can do you want to like do a spoiler version and a spoiler free version wait actually I don't well like so here's what I, I haven't seen it <laughs> right so so here's what I'm gonna say uh, listeners if you're at this point in the podcast and you are interested in seeing mother just go ahead and turn the episode off now because the less you know about mother going into it honestly the more effective it is just don't expect a horror film all right that's all i can say you don't don't go in expecting a horror film know that you're seeing an artistic darren aronofsky movie and don't read or listen to another thing about it podcast is over here if you're going to go see mother in theaters anytime soon Connie, I'm sorry by proxy. You're just gonna oh, hear about some of Oh my this. god! Um, okay, fine. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Sp- I'm not gonna spoil plot points, but uh, but just you, by talking about the nature of the info. film. All right, fine. Right, uh, and this is this might be even stuff that you've read before. So uh, so it, anyways, let's get into it a little bit. Mother is the latest film by Darren Aronofsky, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Uh, it is at its surface a movie about. Uh, this married couple, again, played by Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence, who live in a house in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Javier Bardem is a retired writer, or a, sorry, a struggling writer who's trying to finish uh, a new piece. He needs inspiration. And Jennifer Lawrence, his dutiful wife, is renovating this house that uh, used to be his, but burned down in a mysterious accident. And she, by herself, is, you know, rebuilding this house from scratch. That's what this movie is about at its surface, but it becomes very, very apparent about 25 to 30 minutes in the film that this is a heavily religious allegorical movie. Uh, It kind of walks through the Old Testament step by step with some pretty heavy-handed allegories. Domhnall Gleeson shows up playing Cain in the role of Cain and Abel. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Ed Harris play kind of an Adam and Eve role. And then basically what happens is Jennifer Lawrence... And I don't want to give away what her character and Javier Bardem's characters are supposed to be. But Jennifer Lawrence is furious that all these people keep showing up uninvited to her house. Uh, and it starts off with uh, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. And then their sons show up. And then their family and friends show up. And then mobs and mobs of people show up. And everything quickly goes to shit in this film. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's life is kind of just ripped from this quiet life of uh, homemaking with her husband. And uh, uh, there is some very, very, very strange scenes in this that I will refrain from talking about as hard as it is. Uh, basically, this is, like I said, this is a heavily religious film uh, with some one-on-one allegory for about the first half of the film and then a lot of symbolism about humanity and their role in the world and the way they treat each other to finish out the second half. This movie is, like I I said at the open, very artistic. It's only loosely a narrative. There's a lot of time jumping around and uh, a lot of symbolic imagery you see of things that probably aren't really happening, but like Jennifer Lawrence perceives her house as a living being. So occasionally she'll, you know, put her hand on the wall and she'll uh, visualize like a heartbeat or something like that. And you get kind of, that's where you kind of get these feel, feeling of like a Ma- Terrence Malick sort of moment. But, uh, but very, very strange. And I can't, uh, I want to talk about some of these scenes in this, but I just can't because 
talking the more I talk about this movie, the less interesting it becomes. So I'm trying to reserve all of the big spoilers uh, and keep them inside because I don't want to ruin it, especially for you, Connie. I will say this, and I'm sure you have a couple questions you want to ask about it, but uh, this is a deeply, deeply unsettling and disturbing movie. This is a movie that I did not feel good about watching by the end of it, and that is kind of the point of the film is for you to feel, I don't know if disgusted is the right word, but definitely disturbed. Uh, And it's very effective in accomplishing that, and I can't really say I enjoyed sitting down and watching this movie, but it was very interesting, and I would definitely recommend it to people who like artistic films. Uh, It's just that it's such a a batshit insane ride and so uh, resolutely uncomfortable that it's hard to say that I enjoyed watching it. Uh, It was interesting. I was interested the whole time. So Mother is the wildest studio film of the year. Uh, I'm I'm shocked this got made by a big studio and and wasn't just, you know, self-produced or something like that. Like, listening to you describe this film all i can feel right now is just a huge sense of dread because <laughs> i'm gonna go see it in a couple days i can't do these movies tyler i'm gonna die well well and, and i want to tell you the the first so i was expecting some horror elements in it still i wasn't really sure what to expect when i went in to see this i had heard horror fans were disappointed in it so i wasn't expecting a lot of you know over-the-top horror stuff, but everything about the tone in this film is very uncomfortable. Like, I was just waiting for... I, I, I felt visibly, like, uncomfortable in my seat watching it, just like you kind of would expect in a horror film, but not because there were horror elements, you know? There, there were no real jump scares. There are maybe two moments where something surprising happens or something makes you jump but it's not because uh you know a monster is chasing anybody or anything there there are no murderers showing up wielding machetes really i i mean i don't know there kind of are but not really uh look it, it's just insane uh th- there's no horror stuff in here but it is so so uncomfortable uh but in a very 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 impressively done way i i have the utmost respect for this movie because every single Every single little detail of this film is clearly put in purposefully and clearly put in for some part of the symbolism that, honestly, all of it could only be explained by Darren Aronofsky. I don't think anybody can watch this movie once, twice, or even three times and go, here's what this means, here's what this means. It is a a very well-crafted film and very, very impressively thought out just bizarre just a bizarre Mm. movie uh wow i i i have never seen anything like it and i mean that as a compliment and i mean that as a cautionary tale i read that he wrote it during like the heat of the 2016 election do you feel themes of that election in the film not specifically no i it's more of just a state of despair toward the world and maybe that's what he was feeling during the 2016 election because let's face it that's what a lot of us were feeling during that election but uh but no there's nothing like politically pointed in this film and there's nothing that 
would draw direct parallels to anything that's happened politically or socially within the last five, ten years. It's all very generic things and all very open-ended things. So uh, there's no parallels on that front, no. I don't know if I want to watch this movie anymore, but I feel like I have to. I I think you should. Uh, I honestly, like, about half an hour into the film, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to watch this movie. And then by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm glad glad I watched this movie. Like, it's just, it's so much different than what you expect going into it. It is, it is, um, I, I keep saying it's strange, but it's so weird. No, I appreciate these warnings. I guess at the end of the day, I wouldn't recommend this movie to most people, but this if you're listening to this, you're listening to a film podcast probably because you like watching movies. Uh, if you want to see something that is intended to be profound and intended to be a commentary on people and their, their role in the world, go give this movie a shot. It's about as strange as anything you'll see, but it, it's worth the time because you are kind of forced to think about it at the end of the film. So, so go watch Mother, exclamation point. It is, uh, uh, it is a movie that, it, that it got made somehow. So is Scarface. That's yep. a movie that got made somehow. Yeah. Now, if you have to go see one of the two this week, go see Mother. It's much yes, more I interesting agree. than Scarface. And shorter. Mother's only two hours long, so. I agree. One more note about it. Jennifer Lawrence is really good in this. It's the first time I've seen a movie of hers in quite a while that I've really thought that she nails acting-wise. But like most movies he's in, Javier Bardem is beyond amazing in his role in this. I I don't want to go into the nuance of his character because it kind of would spoil who his character is, even though none of the characters have names in this, if that makes sense. But the way he portrays his character is one of the best acting performances I've seen this year, bar none. Uh, And that's, it's just Javier Bardem doing what he does. You know, he's always great in movies and uh, it's no different here. Wow. Mother. Mother. I, can I, can I leave our viewers uh, on one note? Uh, May we all aspire to have a career like Michelle Pfeiffer. At first, you might be subjected to some basic bitch roles where you are playing the laziest female character I've ever seen portrayed on screen, ever, 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 and I apologize that that's where you had to get started. But eventually, 30 years later, it will work out for you and you will be in an artsy film that got an F on some arbitrary online site. So may we all aspire to have a career like that. A movie that is also bombing at the box office, you know? (laughs) Yes. It's a good time to be Michelle. That is all we have this week. (laughs) We're the Couch Crusaders. Thanks for listening. We'll end it on that note. Goodbye. And uh, Ed Helms and his wife played by... uh, Do you know who plays his wife in this? I can never remember her name. I don't know. You're spoiling all of this for me. But it's not spoilers because none of this is twists. And when, I it, know the L- when it starts happening, it, dude, I literally just cracked. Oh, my sorry, jaw not sorry, oh, sorry, Ed not Helms. not Ed Helms. No, 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 sorry, not Ed Helms. That's my bad. Not Ed Harris. Sorry. Oh Different my fucking god! Oh my god! So we watched <laughs> movies this week featuring Michelle Pfeiffer. What a cycle! Oh, that's right. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, uh, yeah. So wow. sorry. I literally uh, wow. My jaw, like, I might have almost dislocated my jaw when you said Ed Helms. So thanks very much. Right. For nothing. 
Well, Kristen Wiig is in it, so. What the? Uh, okay, keep going. 